listening to the Rude Horror Podcast with your host, Marcus Rude. Hello, everybody. You're listening to, or I should say, watching as well, the Rude Horror Podcast. I'm here with writer, director, producer Addison Binnick. How are you doing today, Addison? Good. Thanks for inviting me on. Awesome. I see you got uh, quite a nice selection of movies back there. Yep. Behind you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it started off, uh, I have like my Universal Monster VHS tapes stacked up on there. That's kind of where it began. But I mean, then I just started collecting all kinds of horror VHSs and stuff. And, you know, you can find them for a couple bucks at horror conventions and stuff. So I just pick them up and I've built the wall. Right on, right on. Yeah, I got hundreds of tapes, but they're in storage right now. Um, yeah, they're a little bit bulkier and, you know, take up more room. Right, right. Yeah, I, uh, sort of in the process of moving, sort of. There's a, I won't get into that, but there's just some, uh, some hassles going on with that. But, uh, I just I can't wait to to move eventually, and that that way I can have my collection back in right. in in my house and whatnot. Uh, Be able to show it off. Right, right. Maybe behind me when I do videos. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I do for uh, you know movies to watch on a rainy afternoon. Like that's my set back there. You know, Heck yeah. I, I plot my director's chair in front of it, and uh, that's my set. Just showing off the movies. Heck yeah, man. It's definitely, uh, you know, especially like we're big film fans and like horror fans. It's really cool just to see everyone else's collections. I don't know if it's just me, but I, I always like seeing everybody else's collection and see what they have. Oh, no, I, I do too, for sure. I mean, when I get invited over to somebody's house for the first time, I kind of like to pick through their stuff and see what they have and compare it to like oh i had that or oh man that's really rare like how'd you get a copy of that right right it's a good good conversation starter definitely so uh so um getting into some of the work that you've done um could you tell us how you got started doing uh like the riffing for the films you've worked with or worked on um well about almost 10 years ago now, um, I started Movies to Watch on a Rainy Afternoon, which is like a 10-minute, 15-minute sort of riffing review show. And when I started, YouTube only allowed my account um, to upload videos that were 15 minutes max. And I mean, I wanted to do feature-length riffs like Mystery Science Theater or Riff Tracks, but... I mean, I, I was prohibited, so I had to sort of just create a review show, but have it be with riffing and stuff. So I compiled clips of sort of like the best of the worst parts of the movie and supplied riffs to those. Um, but as time went on, YouTube uh, kind of opened up a little bit and they let me upload videos much longer. And now I can do like an hour and a half, two hours. But at the time, uh, Movies to Watch on a Rainy Afternoon was just born from the constraints of not being able to make videos that were like an hour and a half long. And so I just made, you know, about 
I don't know, 80 episodes of that, of just movie riffing. And then eventually uh, I did the movie Rabbit Grannies, which is a trauma release. And trauma saw that and messaged me and gave me Lloyd Kaufman's email address. So I emailed him asking if I could do like a riffing show for trauma and for trauma now, which is like their Netflix streaming service. And he told me that he was actually going to be in my neck of the woods at that. This was like 2016. So four years ago, like exactly almost in April, he was going to be at a horror convention near me and told me to come by and meet up with him and talk about the project in person. So I did. And I pitched him to Masterpiece Theater. And I said, I want to do a mystery science theater type riffing show with trauma films. Can call it your masterpiece. You know, can I do this? And he told me that uh, I could. He was going to pick the movie. And I, if it had to go through like a screening process where I had to send it to them once it was finished and they would decide if it was, you know, funny or not. And if it wasn't deemed funny, then they wouldn't release it and I could do nothing with it. Um, so it was kind of like the ball was in my court at that point and I had to make something that was funny. Otherwise I couldn't release it. Um, so, I mean, we worked really hard on it for about a year and I sent it to him the following summer and I mean since then it's just been like I've been riffing on trauma stuff for both masterpiece and rainy afternoon but I mean I've been doing rainy afternoon for like I said almost 10 years now and uh, there's like 122 episodes for free on YouTube wow man that's that's awesome to uh to be able to to get Lloyd's approval and uh riff on his movies yeah, he picked them, you know. Um, the first film was The Battle of Love's Return, which is not a famous trauma film. Most people have never heard of that movie because it's never officially gotten its own DVD release. It is Lloyd Kaufman's first film. Uh, he made it when he was 25 in 1971. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's not proud of it. He knows that it's not good. He's the first one to criticize it and stuff. And when I had lunch with him once and he told me that he was surprised that it even got any theatrical sort of distribution and anything like that in the 70s. But mm -hmm. um, it, the movie has been released on like VHS and stuff. So some people may have rented it back in the day from the you know local video store or something. Um, like I have a copy on VHS that uh, is still sealed and I got it on eBay for only like 11 bucks. And I, I tried to get him to sign it, and he told me, like, don't open that. Only, like, 50 of those were ever made. But it's never gotten oh, wow. its own uh, DVD release, never gotten a Blu-ray release. So a lot of people don't really know Battle Loves Return. And, uh, you know, you could see it through True Masterpiece, you know, or uh, dig through um, the way we watched it, like, over and over and over again to write jokes and stuff. I mean, we found it as an Easter egg on one of his early like sex comedy DVDs, like I think it was Squeeze Play or the first turn on. If you navigate with your remote control and hit like up down arrows and stuff, you can find the movie, but it's it's really hidden in there. Um, oh. Yeah. But uh, yeah, most people don't know. But then he liked it enough, our riff of it, to then give us Poultrygeist as our second episode, which was unexpected. Um, so we ran with it. Yeah, I, uh, I recently finished that in... Uh... Just want to say you did a good job with it. Uh, I laughed at some of Reilly and Corny's jokes, and even some of your jokes were pretty funny. I try to uh, give Corny and Reilly um, the best material. I mean, it's kind of a, a grab bag of like, I watched the movie with probably 12 
13 different people, you know, sometimes I'll just show up at their house with the DVD, same thing with Battle of Return, and just like, hey, we're going to watch this tonight, and I'll have a laptop, and I'll write down the comments that they say as they're watching the film. You know, like, I'll watch it with my buddies who are doing the voices, and so we kind of come up with our own material, but then when I watch it with other people who, like, you know, they're not actually the actors in it, they're just friends of mine who are just, I'm just, you know, documenting their knee-jerk reaction to the scenes, um, then I have to sort of figure out how to disperse, you know, those jokes, but, uh, you know, I just play my, like a, you know, a version of myself in Tremasterpiece. Masterpiece, but with Corny and Really, I want people to like those characters, so I, I try to give them some of the best material. Well, for sure, for sure, uh, yeah, some, some of those are, uh, in, Poetry Geist is already just a bonkers ass movie and it's full of material to where you could riff on. So uh I'm glad that Lloyd gave you gave you his blessing to do that one. Yeah, I mean that was the second challenge. The challenge of episode one was how do we make this movie funny? Because Battle of Will's Return is not a good movie. It's his attempt at sort of doing a slapstick Woody Allen type. I don't even know, Buster Keaton style, like silent film meets Woody Allen, 70s New York film, art film. Mm-hmm. And to make that funny was really, really hard. And I didn't even know if we did a good enough job. You know, it was up to pe- it was up to Lloyd, it was up to Troma, and it was up to potential, you know, it was about the people who watching. You know, it was up to p- the people discovering it on Troma Now or YouTube to see, like, is this good enough for an episode two? Um, but then Poultrygeist was a whole new challenge because now you have this movie that's already super funny by itself to begin with, and how do we make this even funnier? Um, and it's you can't it's hard to riff on stuff that's already funny because you can't like what you, you can't riff on an already funny joke. So we tried to just find comments or reactions to some of the scenes that were so over the top. I mean, this movie has people you know, diarrhea-ing themselves to death. And, uh, you know, how do you riff on that? Well, you know, because it's already humorous. But so you just have the characters, like, being shocked about that and stuff. And that's funny, too. Right. Like, he's eating the cock's cock. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, oh, my gosh. That movie is, is just off the walls as it is. It's really entertaining. It's not, like a horror movie where you're supposed to get scared. It's, you know, no, it's, it's, it's a comedy over the top musical. Like that was another challenge mm-hmm. was trying to riff on a musical. And so we kind of decided like, well, we'll let the song sort of play out a little bit. And if we can fit some riffs in there, we will, but we didn't want to, um, like talk over the singing or riff over the singing. Cause I just feel like, and that's just rude. Like there's um mm-hmm. like there's riffing, like when there's no dialogue. Like if there's no dialogue in the movie, then like slip your riffs in there. But if people are talking or can you know, having a dialogue with each other or singing, you don't riff over that because I feel like now you're just interrupting the film. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Those are just kind of the guidelines that I sort of established for Electra Masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed, and I liked how, uh, um, 
oh, like, was that like all editing or did you have like a green screen with you in the with really and corny behind you looking like you're watching the movie? Uh, we filmed it with uh, we were we put a green screen behind us and we filmed with the camera in front of us. But then I took that footage and I flipped it in Final Cut Pro. So it was in reverse and made it black so that you can't tell that you're actually looking at the front of us. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, because when you flip the image, it's the same shapes and everything. So it doesn't um, doesn't really matter. And, uh, you know, when you black everything out, you can't tell. Because when the camera is focused on us, filming us in front of a green screen, um, we can look forward. And we were watching the movie on a TV. Um, And we did it in five chunks in five weeks. We would get together every Wednesday. And we would only watch 20 minutes of the movie with all of our scripts, pre-written jokes and all that stuff. A little bit Mm -hmm. of rehearsal before jumping in. but. Not to bog everything down and, you know, put a lot of work on our shoulders for that particular day. We knocked it out, the filming of the movie, in five different Wednesdays, just week after week after week, just 20-minute chunks. Just because it's not comfortable, you know, kneeling on the floor with your hand puppeteering a puppet. I mean, (laughs) I, I I don't do that part, so I can only imagine how... Uh, you know how it probably gets get your knees sore, your arms sore. So I didn't want to put too much strain on my friends Brad and Steven who are doing the actual puppeteering. Plus, they have to look at scripts and the time code on the television and make sure that they're saying their jokes that are matching up to the time code. Because if they're right. you know seconds late, the joke might not work anymore. It's it's all about timing. So um, I've never been in a band. I've never, you know, I don't play any instruments or anything, but I can assume it's a lot like being in a band and everybody has to be playing the same notes at the same time and syncing up with each other. Because if we're making riffs and if those time codes are zipping by and you're missing those riffs that are supposed to be coordinated, that time code, now we're riffing over each other. So that's not going to work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Timing. Timing is everything especially in music making. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot like yeah. that. Right, right. No, we that's, that's pretty interesting. Post, um, like, there was a little bit of post-production editing of, like, some ADR, which is just, like, re-recording flubbed lines and stuff like that. Because, again, when you're trying to keep up with the film and you're trying to keep up with your riffs, uh, you know, you might say the wrong word or something, or you might stall, or it happens. So we would just re-record it and, you know plug it back in later but it turned out fine yeah yeah no yeah i thought it was you know again really well made and uh i I was pretty impressed with it i thought it was uh and and it's it's a brilliant idea too i mean because a lot of us uh i shouldn't say guys but you know a lot of us horror fans we like being around funny people that like to jab at you know say some one-liners at some of the movies uh you know the horror movies that are really cheesy it's fun just to to uh 
make fun of it in a way. I mean, yeah, Mystery Science Theater is my favorite show of all time. And I just always wanted to do my own version of that because, um, I mean, they had a, you know, they were on television, so they couldn't show movies with nudity or gore. They couldn't swear and stuff. So with your Masterpiece Theater, I just wanted to do a version that was completely uncensored. You know, Poultry Geist is about as uncensored as you can get with... uh, (laughs) You know, all crazy gratuitous nudity and gore and people getting their eyeballs poked out and, you know, uh, musical numbers with tapless women and just completely uncensored. I didn't want to censor anything. And mm-hmm. so that our, our jokes are also can be some, you know, a little crude here and there. Um, but i um, hoping that, you know, somewhere, you know, funnier and wittier in addition to just being crude, trying to, you know, even it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we watch movies, not just the ones that we do for Rainy Afternoon or Masterpiece. I mean, my friends who do the voices of Corny and Really, I mean, we get to get before coronavirus, of course, um, we would get together every week just to marathon cheesy movies. And uh, it's, this is just something that we've done for a long time. And uh, it just kind of segued itself into becoming you know, our show. Right on, man. Um. So I know recently you decided to change the name. Could you maybe um, give us a little info? I mean, you don't have to, (laughs) you don't feel comfortable saying anything you don't have to. Um, But maybe not a lot of people know that you're changing the name. Yes. Um, Yeah. Could you maybe say something about that? I tried to get a third episode of Masterpiece. I wanted to get another movie from Lloyd, but uh, he won't give me one. You know, he won't greenlight an episode three at this time. And so without him giving me permission to do an episode three or giving me a movie, I can't I can't go ahead and do it you know, without his blessing. Um, so I have to I had to sort of scramble and improvise. And I started sending out emails to other uh, horror movie companies and stuff. Some rejected me right away, like Grindhouse releasing said no. <laughs> no, Severin Films said no. Um, some companies have gotten back to me, and we've struck up a licensing agreement, which is going to be a lot different than what I've done with Troma, because Troma and Lloyd, they never asked for money for licensing their films. Lloyd just gave me permission to do Battle of Love's Return and to do Poultry Geist, but he never asked for money, and I never had a contract with them. So now I'm writing up contracts and paying companies to use their films. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit different uh, heading or going forward. Um, I'm not going to change the name that's going to box me in, because with Tromasterpiece, obviously, that's the show name is designed to use trauma films. But uh, I've learned my lesson, and uh, now we're just going to call it Roast Masterpiece. Roast Masterpiece, however you know you want to pronounce it, um, was, was actually a title that was created for me by a friend of mine named uh, Bob Coldicott. And uh, he's I met him uh, last year. He filmed with us. For Psycho Ape, he came down from New York and we filmed a kill scene in the movie 
and we've kept in contact ever since. And he just gave me that name, and I thought it was fantastic because it sounds like Tremasterpiece. And, you know, we're still roasting movies, but we're not going to be um, strictly a one-company show anymore. I'm getting movies from other companies. Um, either this week sometime or maybe next week, I can reveal the titles of the movies once my licensing agreements is approved and everything. Um, so I'm hoping that this summer I can launch another Kickstarter like I did with Tremasterpiece Episode 2 to pay for the licensing of these films. Right on. Yeah, that's... Uh... It's, I would say, it's a pretty genius movie, I, or not movie idea, but movie name, uh, Rose Masterpiece. Yeah, that's yeah, it sounds cool. I like it. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds be, perfect for what you're doing. It's gonna be still me, corny, and really, you know, nothing's changing other than the title of the show, and we're not using trauma movies. You know, if Lloyd changes his mind one day, great. If this is the direction we have to go indefinitely, then that's okay too. You know, I have no ill will towards trauma. I still love trauma. Um, it's, it's, it's Lloyd's decision. You know, he could have pulled the plug after episode one if he wanted to. Yeah. Right on. Well, and then you know, you also have, uh, you know, if you're ever to come back to trauma, you can always even use trauma masterpiece again. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, it's not like you're going to lose something uh, unless unless he wants to be a dick and, and just take the name and leave you out of it. But, I mean, if well, that's I mean, your baby, I don't know if he can do that or not. I don't know. Because, I mean, like I said, we've never had a contract. Um, I've never signed anything through Troma. I've never, um, you know, he's never asked me for money. But what I've done is I've sent them copies to sell at uh conventions and like trauma movie screenings and stuff so i mean they've gotten boxes of dvds from me that i didn't have to send uh Mm -hmm. you know to sell and i told them to keep the money just because it benefits me too you know to have my stuff get sold at conventions that i can't go to or can't make it to or if they have things of toxic avenger or something in new york and I can't go to that. If they have a booth there at the movie theater and they're selling DVDs at a table, if Tremasterpiece is there, maybe people will snag a copy. And then it still benefits me at the end of the day. So um, I'm still more than willing to send them stuff like that. Uh, it's just, you know, no episode three. Um, so <laughs> I got I to gotta do Roast Masterpiece instead, which I think once I reveal what the movies are um i hope that people will get excited and see you know like i'm working with these companies now so you know it's going to open up new doors and stuff because what the difference too is with Tremasterpiece, lloyd picked our movies um with these companies i sent in a wish list and got the movies in the wish list approved so I can cherry pick what I want now, as opposed to before it was up. It was Lloyd just telling me, this is what you're doing next. So, you know, it's, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting new 
dynamic with what movies I can and can't use. Because also with Lloyd, um, he told me right off the bat, I could never do a Toxic Avenger film. Um, mm. Not any of them. Uh, wow. You know, it's not, a, you know, it's not a secret that two and three really aren't like the best Toxic Avenger movies. <laughs> and uh, originally I wanted to do number three as my pilot. And he told me, no Toxic Avenger films. Here's Battle of Love's Return instead. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I tried. But right, uh, right. <laughs> so I don't really have those kinds of restrictions now. Awesome, man. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see uh, what, what your new chapter is, man. Yeah, I, I think it should be cool. I hope so. Um, it's also, you know, like I said, I want to launch another Kickstarter this summer. Once um, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm just, not just for myself, but because I want the world to get back to normal. But, uh, you know, right. I want people to get back on their feet. And uh, I don't want to ask for, you know, a whole bunch of money for a Kickstarter if people can't afford it. <laughs> you know, that'd be uh, ridiculous and crazy. And I also, you know, I just want to wait. I just want to wait a little bit until things have sort of settled down. But um, I will, you know, need to launch another Kickstarter in order to pay for the licensing of these films. Right on. And actually, one of the companies has agreed to accept that. That they're, they're okay with accepting Kickstarter money. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty cool. Because it's yeah. not a request. It's like, hey, you know, I want to license one of your movies in your catalog. However, um... I need to do a Kickstarter first and give you the money. Is that fine? And they're okay with it. They said no rush either, so which is really cool. That's pretty cool, man. Um, and I'll, I'll say I, uh, I, I am a, a Kickstarter for your Psycho 8 movie. Thank you. Uh, uh, I got the, I don't know, the, the DVD one. Uh, it might have been like the $15 one or whatever. But, yeah. Uh, but no, I uh, I really like the the whole idea that you have for Psycho Ape, and uh, I'm anxious to to see the finished product. Yeah, that one. Um, most of the movie is shot, like it is done. It's being edited right now. I am not the editor of the film. I'm the editor of Tremasterpiece, but I'm not editing Psycho Ape. My friend Greg Deliso is editing the movie, so all of it's on his computer. But because obviously we're social distancing right now and not getting together in groups, um, I haven't seen the rough cut in probably over a month. At, you know, at this time, um, we used to get together. We would get together every Thursday. It was Psychoape Thursday to either shoot or edit or do sound mixing or write or plan or something. But we haven't been able to do that in a really long time. Um, the last time I saw the film, it was running at about 70 minutes, which is about the length we want it to be anyway. Like, we don't want it to be some, you know, super long thing that outstays its welcome or anything. <laughs> um, we have, like, one scene left that we want to film, but uh, we've just been waiting. You know, we've just been waiting for the right time. And other than that, we've just been kind of doing, like, the boring part, which is, like, sound mixing and uh, adding music and stuff. Um and then once the film is 100% like edited and we're satisfied with it, we're going to pass it over to 
um, our post-production guy who's going to make it look like crazy, you know, blood splattering and all kinds of stuff because, you know, when we were trying to film running around New York uh, last summer, um, you know, getting people on the streets to participate in the film, we could only do things like one take and then run away. But because uh, we didn't have permits or anything. And uh, so some of the stuff like the, you know, ripping off people's arms didn't quite turn out that great. So we're just going to add some like, you know, um, cartoony looking blood spraying out of his stump and stuff. Uh, but that's. That's the department, you know, that's our friend uh, Jason Ewart, who did the poster for Psycho Ape did the poster for True Masterpiece episode two. And he's responsible for all of the really cool teaser trailers that you've seen for Psycho Ape. You know, he adds the cool looking VHS sort of style to it. Like that's all filters. Like he, he does that. So we're going to make the movie look like that. Cause it doesn't look like that already. Right on. Kind of like a, kind of gives like a little grindhouse feel yes. to it. Yeah. He's, he's responsible for making it look like, like grindhouse. Um, Cause I mean, we did shoot the movie on uh, mini DV tape. So it already kind of does have like a lo-fi VHS type quality. Not 100% though. So once we pass the clips off to him, he's going to make it look all 100% like grindhouse and stuff and add crazy gore and, you know, uh, like, you know, split scenes and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we wanted to get the movie done by the summer. That was kind of our tentative release. But because we haven't been able to get together, uh, I don't really know anymore. Um, like June was our date, um, but it could be July, August now. You know, our timeline is obviously all messed up now because of this pandemic. Right. Yeah, and that's that's just kind of with uh, the film industry as yes. a whole. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of a shame, but uh, I mean, I'll say this is a good time for writers because now there really isn't a deadline for writers anymore, at least for right now. So, uh, that's why I wanted to get a movie from Lloyd for episode three. Cause I mean, I I'm still working, but I'm not working as often. So I have more free time on my hands. So I kind of thought like, well, can't really work on psycho ape and you know, I, maybe I can use this spare time to start watching a trauma film over and over and over again and writing jokes for an, a trauma masterpiece episode three. But then when he wouldn't green light it, um, I just thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll try to get another movie from somebody else and uh, started sending out mass emails and started hearing back from companies. And so now I'll be spending this time writing. Once um, the licensing agreements are you know, approved, I can start, I can reveal the titles of the movies and I can start watching them, you know, over and over and over again. And, uh, I live with, uh, Steven who does the voice of really. So he and I can start watching the films and writing jokes and stuff. And then, you know, when we're allowed to start hanging out in groups of people again, then we can have my friend Brad come by who does the voice of corny and, you know, maybe we could start as a trio really knocking out the jokes uh, for these mm-hmm. upcoming episodes. Oh, right on, man. Yeah, this, uh, 
yeah, I, I think I think you got a good thing going, and uh, you know, you're definitely onto something. So, uh, uh, I did I did have a couple questions with Psycho Ape. Yeah. Um, so I I uh, I mean it's, it's no uh, no no mystery that you got a couple big names in your movie. Can we possibly talk a little bit about? working with uh kansas bowling and uh the other gentleman <laughs> i forgot his oh, name bill whedon yes yes okay um bill whedon i met at a screening of both Tramasterpiece theater episode one and sergeant kabuki man last year in new york um i was invited like, it wasn't a screening that I put together. It was a third party who uh, licensed Kabuki Man from Troma and asked if they could show Tramasterpiece in addition to Kabuki Man. And I said, well, sure, definitely. Hell yeah. Uh, so I flew out to New York for this double feature. And I knew that Bill Whedon was going to be there, too. So it was a double feature of Kabuki Man first and then Tramasterpiece. And then after the show... Uh, the person who had put together the double feature had also paid for my hotel room and I bunked with Bill Whedon. So we became friends and, you know, basically hung out all night uh, just ordering takeout to our hotel room and talking about our projects. Um, you know, that was the first time I ever met Bill, uh, but I've been a fan of Kabuki Man for years. So, you know, he sat through, masterpiece and he saw what you know i did he liked it thought the puppets were really funny but um, one of my favorite accomplishments is that no matter how funny bill thought the jokes were and the riffs were he had to take frequent breaks from battle of love's return because he told me that the movie was so awful he couldn't sit there and watch it but i saw him pacing out in the lobby and i was like bill like what's wrong you know are you okay and he was like, listen, you know, your jokes are hilarious, but I can't sit there and watch that movie. Um, so I just thought that was really funny. But uh, <laughs> so he liked your masterpiece. He was a fan. And I told him that, well, we're starting up production this summer for Psycho Ape. And we have a character that's sort of like the Dr. Loomis character in Halloween, who he's a zookeeper slash psychologist. And um, he sort of been watching this ape for all these years but the ape escapes <laughs> and i offered the role to him and he said he'd do it so i mean that was like april or may of last year and then by june we were back in new york and he was playing dr zoomis and uh you know we were running around new york and he was chasing after the psycho ape like right in the middle of times square um That's awesome man so, that's pretty sweet. And then with Kansas Bowling, um, I had never officially met her until we started shooting Psycho Ape last summer. But I've been, we've been kind of corresponding for about three years now, I think, because when Troma released her movie BC Butcher in 2017, um, Lloyd told me that I could do that film as a rainy afternoon episode. And I thought like, okay, that's pretty cool, you know, but um, I sort of 
wanted to get her permission too, just because at the time it was like, well, she's this new filmmaker. Is she going to be okay with this guy like riffing on her movie? Um, so I sent her an email and told her like what the deal was and what rainy afternoon was. It's a mystery science theater riff tracks style, 15 minute riffing review show. You know, Lloyd told me I could do BC butcher, but are you okay with me doing BC butcher? Um, and not only was she okay with it, she sent me a DVD of BC Butcher and signed it. Oh, wow. Uh, and told me to do it. So I did the episode. She liked it. Shared it all over, you know, Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. Um, and so about a year after that, maybe, maybe even a couple of months after that, I sort of pitched her the idea of Psychowave. Because Psychowave is actually a movie that I came up with the idea for probably like three or four years ago at this point, as a joke. Mm -hmm. um, I had a dream that I was filming one of my friends running around in his gorilla costume, wielding a giant butcher knife. And um, we were making a movie, and I woke up with that image in my head of this gorilla, or a guy in a gorilla costume chasing somebody around the butcher knife. And I just, as a joke, thought, oh, Psycho Wave, that's a movie. Because, you know, Norman Bates and his giant butcher knife, Psycho. Um, right, right. Uh, so I messaged her, I think on Instagram or something. And I was like, Hey, would you be in this movie psycho wave? And again, this was like 2017, maybe, um, you know, we had an idea for the film where like a slumber party of teenage girls are attacked by an ape breaking into the slumber party. Yeah. And she said that she would do it and she would invite all of her friends and, um, it didn't end up happening the way that we initially talked about it. Because initially, my friend who was going to play the Psycho Ape, it was his ape costume. And he also was the original voice of Corny in episode one. Um, he was a friend of mine named Jonathan. Had been friends for like 20 years. Um, he had a van. And we were going to drive around cross country filming Psycho Ape out of the van. Like out of our production van. Just mm -hmm. sort of like going to New York, going to California, going to... Uh, Las Vegas and shooting all kinds of crazy scenes for Psycho Ape and just cobbling together a movie as sort of like a home movie. But um, unfortunately, uh, he passed away in the fall of 2018. So I kind of thought, well, the movie's gone too. And I thought Tremastrophes was going to be finished then as well um, because he was the voice of Corny and he built the puppets by himself. So I didn't have a corny anymore and I didn't have, you know, him to build any more puppets or anything. So I just kind of thought like, well, that's the end of Tremasterpiece and that's the end of Psycho Ape. But, um, you know, everyone told me to keep going. Even Lloyd himself told me to do an episode two to keep going, to grieve, take my time. But um, so eventually, you know, I did the Kickstarter for episode two, raised all this money and saw that people still wanted to see an episode two. Despite the fact that, you know, I was very vocal with the fact that my friend had passed away, so I will need a new corny. Um, and the fact that, you know, well, you know, my lead psycho ape character, you know, he's gone too, so I will need a new psycho ape. But, um, you know, we figured it out and, you know, moved forward. And so I, I reached out to Greg and I asked him, like, would you make this movie with me? I think we kind of both need this. Because he's a filmmaker himself. He made the movie Hectic Knife for Troma. And okay. um, when I reconnected with Kansas, like, 
I don't know, maybe two years after I initially asked her to be in Psycho Ape, she said she was still interested, but she wanted a bigger role this time. Because their initial me asking her was just, oh, would you do a cameo in a Slumber Party Massacre sequence? And she said sure to that, you know, two, three years ago. But now she was like, well, you're, you're making the movie with Greg DeLiso. I love Hectic Knife. So can I have a bigger role? And so we expanded her role and gave her the lead actress role. Um... So we didn't drive out to California or anything. We paid for her to fly to New York because she has a second apartment in New York. So it was all coordinated where we go to New York, pick up Bill, then go meet up with Kansas and pick her up. And then we just kind of went crazy in New York for a couple of days and ran around Times Square, went to all sorts of different parks and stuff and just filmed Without permits of, you know, and the subways and everything of Bill trying to uh, capture this ape. And Kansas is sort of like the sidekick, sort of like how, you know, Han Solo has Chewbacca. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. Kansas and her ape. And, uh, yeah, it all kind of just came together. Um, We filmed... I don't remember how many days, maybe about four, four or five in New York. And eventually we took them with us and drove back home to Michigan and put them up in a hotel and uh, just filmed some more stuff in Michigan in my apartment and at Greg's house. And eventually when we wrapped filming, we just paid for their flights back home to New York and California. Wow, man. That's a pretty incredible story there, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it um, It took a little bit of planning and, you know, sort of just hoping that it'll work out. Because, um, I mean, with both Tremasterpiece and Psycho Wape, there was, you know, it was stop and go and stop and go for a while. We didn't even know if we were going to be making these projects. But... You know, we ran Kickstarters for both projects, and so we had a little bit of money. You know, the Kickstarter money for PsychoApe was all spent on flights and food and lodging for Kansas and Bill to put them up in hotels in Michigan and, you know, their flights back home. So, you know, a lot of that money just got spent towards them. You know, they got paid, too. Mm-hmm. For sure, man. Wow. Yeah, and I, I just want to say uh, sorry for your loss, too. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I know that's it's probably tough dealing with, you know, especially since he helped you with uh, Tro Masterpiece and, you know, uh, you know, helped help create uh, some of the characters and whatnot. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure he would want you to keep going too. you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I had, I had been friends with him since probably the year 2000, you know, and when we were met each other in middle school, you know, and uh, I introduced him to trauma and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, when he found out that I was going to be doing Tremasterpiece Theater, he built those puppets himself, you know. We did not, and he was a musician, and that was more his thing was you know playing in bands various bands and performing live and you know recording albums and stuff neither one of us 
knew that he also had puppet making skills. You know, that was a huge <laughs> surprise. And he knocked those things out by himself. And I wanted him to be the voice of Corny. And so, you know, we came up with that goofy ass voice that he has. And uh, that's why, you know, with episode two of Tremasterpiece, it, it opens with me trying to find Corny's brain was because I kind of thought that like, well, we have to sort of acknowledge the fact that this Corny is going to be different than episode one Corny because it's going to be a different person. So mm-hmm. that all came from trying to find a solution that made sense. And also funny. Right. Yeah, I thought that was that's quite amusing. L- little little amusing uh, tidbit there. Yeah, that's where it all came from. Was because, well, I have to establish that this corny's voice is going to be different, and it's going to have a, maybe a little bit of a different personality. How do we do that? Well, corny's brain is removable. You know, that's established in the opening credits of the show. Mm-hmm. When I dig my fingers in to eat his popcorn, and I accidentally pull out his brain. You know, that was just something that was just a gag that we put in the opening credits of episode one. Um, You know, that wasn't supposed to be some sort of Easter egg like in the future that we were going to pay it off or anything. It was just a gag. It was just a joke. But um, luckily, uh, you know, we turned that into something and I think it worked. Right on, man. Right on. And didn't he do uh, the music? Yeah, actually, yeah, he wrote the theme song for Tremasterpiece Theater, you know, that that was his, uh, you know, all sorts of contributions, the puppets, the theme song, he was corny. So, you know, when he passed away, not only was it the fact that I lost one of my best friends, but I was also like, man, you know, he was just as involved in the creation of this show as I was. He uh, without him, there would be no puppets without him, there would have been no theme song. So it just was such a monumental loss on all fronts that um, I really didn't think I could go forward. But, you know, I gave it some time. And the Kickstarter was definitely an eye-opener that uh, people still wanted more. Uh, So hopefully, you know, people liked Episode 2 enough and enjoyed their DVDs that they received from the Kickstarter that I can now go forward and say, like, hey... You know, can't do trauma anymore. Hope that's okay. I'll be getting these other movies, though, from other companies. It's going to be the same show. You're still going to get corny and really. Um, but we're just going to be doing different kinds of movies. Right on, man. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't see why that would be a problem. I mean, you're kind of expanding your horizons. And you're not just stuck to one specific, you know, you're not boxed into one thing. Yeah, I think that there may be some people who only liked the show because we were picking trauma movies or using trauma movies, and that's fine, but I hope that they, you know, reconsider or maybe, you know, expand their horizons a little bit, because having been involved with trauma for the last three or four years, like, I go with them to horror conventions and stuff, and I sell copies of Tremasterpiece, and, you know, I meet some hardcore trauma fans where, like, that's all they watch that's all they know i don't care about anything else and you know i love trauma i have a pretty big trauma collection myself but i watch other stuff other than trauma you know all right what's your favorite trauma movie if you had to pick like it's your holy grail grail that's easy uh it's terra firmer terra firmer right on 
It's my favorite yeah, I, uh, movie. It's my favorite trauma movie, period. For sure, for sure. I liked uh, Cannibal the Musical. That was kind of like my first introduction into trauma. Yeah, that's a good one, too. You know, just because, you know, back back in the day when I was younger, I was all about South Park and like basketball and, you know, following Matt Stone and Trey Parker and then stumbling upon, upon Cannibal the Musical. I think really that helped get me into trauma movies. And then, when, you know, when you see the trailers for some of the other ones, it's like, holy crap, like, what is this stuff? I actually, when I first saw Cannibal the Musical, I bought the DVD from Best Buy just on a whim because the movie was called Cannibal the Musical. Like, this sounds crazy. And uh, I did not know the first time that I ever watched it that it was by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Um, I just thought it was this crazy, funny, cannibal musical. But it wasn't until I did a little bit of research that I was like, oh, the South Park guys made this. Like, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of kind of crazy how how things come to be in uh you know I think I forgot the other guy's name like the little the little guy uh they called him like the little bitch in uh basketball um <laughs> Dean I think Dean Bahar yeah I he's think in, he's in basketball he's in uh, he's kind of like in everything that they're involved in yeah yeah yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of cool to see, you know, you know how. I don't know what I'm trying to get at. Like, you know, people that are involved in in one thing just kind of continues to uh, right. They work together on many things. Yeah, keep that friendship going. Right. Yeah. Because he actually did a couple of voices on South Park too in some of the early seasons. All right. On. Right on. Yeah. Um, man, there's so many trauma movies. Um, Redneck Zombies. That one was another weird-ass movie. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. I like um, like Blood-Sucking Freaks, you know? I uh, didn't really know what to expect. Cause when, I, when I got into trauma stuff, I was like 12 years old. And... You know, this was like 2002, and you know, there—I didn't have access to a credit card or anything. So, basically, it was just sending checks. No, I mean checks, money orders, like money orders and cash to uh, like Troma or people on eBay um, mm-hmm. to just send me Troma DVDs, or I would just rent them. You know, and my my parents would. Maybe question what I was renting, but they wouldn't watch the movies with me, so they didn't really know what I was renting. But, um, you know, when you're 12 and you just start piling on these crazy films, you know, yeah, it just became an obsession. Right. I I think what helped was, uh, especially with the DVD versions, well, I guess you could say VHS, but, like, the DVD versions were always packed with uh, other trauma trailers for other movies. Yeah. And you know, watching some of those like like Killer Condom and uh Toxic Avenger uh Trauma's War. I mean there's just like so many other other movies that are like this shit is crazy. And uh it's way different from some of these other companies like uh Full Moon or 
I don't know. I can't really compare. Like, I don't know. Full Moon and, and Troma kind of, like, they're really similar, but they're so different. Yeah, for me, I mean, they're like the Pepsi and Coke of the sort of B-movie scene. Where right. Troma, you know, they've been around a little bit longer. Um, but they're different in that, you know, Lloyd Kaufman's probably only directed like 16 or 17 trauma films himself, and the rest of their library is all acquisitions. And a lot of their films are like comedy horror, and the style is like over the top, disgusting, gross, and they're kind of in on the joke. Like they know this. Right. The full right. Moon, I feel like they started out making more serious horror films like Subspecies and Puppet Master and over time have sort of segued into comedy with like Ginger Dead Man and Evil Wong and stuff. And those movies are in on the joke. But I actually prefer the old school full moon of like Puppet Master, serious Puppet Master films and serious subspecies films and all of their stuff from the early 90s. Um, I'm still a fan, but um, right. I think that's the difference, is that Full Moon, Some most of their movies, I think, are more serious, or they try to be, um, right. and have become right. more comedic. And uh, I don't know if you're aware of their newest movie they put out, like last week. Um, it's called Corona Zombies. <laughs> have you heard about yeah, that? I've heard about it. I've I've been talking to people about it. Like, like, oh, did you hear what uh, Full Moon's doing? Like, they're already jumping on the the epidemic bandwagon with uh, movie spoofs. And... Um, <laughs> I, I watched it over the weekend, and it's not what you think it is. It's actually, um, like, 80% of the footage is taken from this movie called Hell of the Living Dead, if you're familiar with that film. Yes, yes. Bruno Matai from the 80s. Now mm. that movie is basically a ripoff of Dawn of the Dead. And even has music by Goblin in it. And uh, even like the, the lead squad who are like killing zombies are dressed head to toe in like blue army uniforms just like the people in Dawn of the Dead. But so Full Moon licensed that movie and redubbed all the clips um, and incorporated funny new dialogue where these characters are talking about corona zombies and toilet paper and all that stuff. So they basically just redesigned the whole movie to be one big joke. And I thought it was actually pretty funny um, because it's it's all it's all just stupid, you know. It's not like here's a here's a, here's a zombie movie like that's making fun of corona here is our joke of we redubbed a zombie movie that you already <laughs> probably may have seen and all of the dialogue is brand new but it's all funny it's all like it's all silly and over the top mm -hmm. um, and uh because otherwise like I mean, obviously, they are exploiting the pandemic by calling it Corona Zombies and all that stuff. When I first heard they were making a Corona Zombies movie, I kind of thought, like, that seems like it's in bad taste. That seems like more of a trauma thing. But then when I actually watched it and saw what it was, I mean, the movie's only an hour long. 
and it's mostly just clips from Hell of the Living Dead redubbed. And I actually thought that was much funnier. Sort of like if you've ever seen the movie Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Mm-hmm. It's just like that. Like you know that that movie is comprised mainly of just clips from another movie, and he you know used green screen to put himself into that film, and most of it's just some obscure you know kung fu movie from the seventies that people don't know about. This is this is the same thing where they just took Hell of the Living Dead and recut it and just redubbed it, and it's pretty funny. Wow, that's interesting. So, like, is there, like, any new scenes added? Or is it just all just chopped no, and screwed? There's, some. Um, there's like a wraparound story of a girl who turns on the TV and she sees press conference from Donald Trump talking about corona. And so she's responding to what's going on on television. And she's on a, a phone call with, you know, one of her girlfriends. And they're... They have some funny dialogue talking about like getting into fights at the store about hand sanitizer and toilet paper and stuff. But they're playing really dumb characters who it's satire because the things they're saying are people that like are like they're they're selfish characters who, you know, are talking about like why this, why the hell woe is me. Because I couldn't get, you know, I can't go anywhere now. I can't go to a bar or anything. So the whole thing is just making fun of, you know, people complaining about, you know, oh, I can't go do this now because, you know, people aren't, you know, there's all oh, the you know, pandemic and stuff. But it's, you know, the whole thing, it's like how South Park makes fun of stupid people for the way that they selfishly act during, you know, uh a, a, a pandemic situation and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the like whole thing is one yeah, yeah. It's just it's them tackling current events. It's just like an, like a live episode or a live action episode of South Park of just making fun of stuff. And they happen to use footage from you know an obscure zombie movie that in <laughs> itself is already a ripoff of Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, they you know you know. Uh, that actually might make me want to watch it even more now, because like, my well, it's, my first it's not the best thing in the world, but it's only an hour long, and you know some of the jokes and some of the redubbing is pretty funny. Nice. Is uh, does a lot of it kind of add up with uh, with their mouths, or is it like really really off when they talk? Uh, I guess I don't know, fifty fifty. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was just, I thought I'd ask because I haven't seen it yet, but uh, yeah, and I know it's on the uh, full moon. I don't know what, what is, what is the app called? Full moon direct full or something features. like that. Yeah. Full moon direct is like their actual store website where you can order merch, but uh, full moon features, I think is their streaming service. And okay. um, I've noticed that their streaming service is a little bit different than Troma's streaming service because it's it looks like Full Moon pretty much has their entire catalog up on their streaming service. You can watch anything that they put out in the last, you know, 30-some years. But mm-hmm. Full Troma is different in that um, not everything is there because the first of the month, every new month, They'll do like a movie dump, which is a combination of like some archival trauma films, but also some new stuff. So 
at the first of the month, you get like 10 new things on the streaming service. Um, whether it's some new movies or some old movies, but uh, with Full Moon, everything is already new. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure as new movies come out, like Corona Zombies, they'll release those as the new films arrive. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't have either service, but uh, I've been kind of curious about the Full Moon Features app and uh, seeing what they all have on there. It's everything. It's every full moon movie that I can tell. Because, I mean, I have a massive full moon DVD collection as well. But, um, I mean, there's some stuff, some obscure stuff that I've never seen. And also what's different, too, is that full moon looks like they licensed movies from Blue Underground. So there's a lot of Blue Underground stuff on there. And uh, they licensed movies um, like like old school grindhouse stuff. So there's a lot of like Nazi exploitation movies on there. And there's like a whole Jess Franco collection on there. Oh, okay. So that, that's different from Troma as well. Cause Troma doesn't really license movies from established filmmakers or other companies to put on their start service. It's mainly like Troma stuff, but it looks like full moon, you know, expanded their horizons and licensed movies from other companies to put on their service. So you get even more than just full moon stuff on their streaming service. Nice. Right on. Um, kind of, kind of stir off into another direction. Uh, can you tell us anything, uh, else that you're working on? Or are you just kind of focused on the roast masterpiece? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of, you know, like I said, we're not really doing anything for Psycho Ape right now. Like, I'd love to be finishing that movie, um, because we started writing it about a year ago, but because we're not really get, getting together to edit the film, can't really do any more work on that as it is. I mean, I'm sure Greg is probably tinkering with it as much as he can, um, but, uh, so that's kind of just on pause right now. Yeah, I'm just trying to get uh, these, you know, licensing deals agreed upon by these companies. And once that is approved, um, I can start watching the films repeatedly and uh, writing jokes. I just don't want to start doing that until, like, we have movies that are agreed upon. And um, I've ordered DVDs of both. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to start writing jokes for them until I get approval from both companies. Like, hey, this licensing deal is good. It's solid. And, uh, you know, we expect payment by the summer. You know what I mean? Right I'm working now and uh, throw out my notes if, uh, you know, they don't agree on a licensing agreement or whatever. Yeah, why why put in all the work if you might not even be able to use them? Yeah, like the movies have been picked, the movies are agreed on, but you know, no contracts have been signed. So I'm just kind of waiting for them to get back to me. And I understand, you know, not everyone's in the office right now. You know, some people are even working yeah. at home. So it might take a couple of days, a week or two for the you know the heads of these companies to be like, yes, this is fine, this is good. There's, right just, on, man. There's, more, there's more steps to it than um, what I'm used to. 
Because with Lloyd, it was basically like, here's your movie, go, you know? <laughs> right on. Yeah, man. Uh... Now it's like, okay, yes, you can use those movies. That's cool. Um, yes, you can pay us with Kickstarter money. But, you, you know, there's also, you know, how long I can have the licensing for these films for. Because with Battle Loves Return and Poltergeist, I can pretty much just sell these DVDs until the day comes where maybe Lloyd asks me to stop or whatever because there's no contract or whatever. But um, with these other companies, it's like, yeah, you can you can use our movies for like 10 years or something. And then after 10 years, you have to pay us again to uh, use the continue to use the films. So it's just a little bit different. Right on, man. Yeah, man, I hope everything works out for you in your your new endeavor thank you uh, for sure um before we get off here i do want to uh ask you a couple more questions sure um what is your if you have one what is your favorite horror movie of all time and what is your favorite subgenre in horror okay uh favorite movie of all time is the return of the living dead um Linnea Quigley is my all-time favorite scream queen. And, I mean, I saw that movie when I was probably 10 or 11 years old. Um, I had the greatest double feature that anyone, I think, could ever ask for. When um, my dad rented The Return of the Living Dead for me, thinking it was Dawn of the Dead. But so I'm wa- he told me, oh, there's this great scene where a zombie gets its head cut off by a helicopter. So I'm watching The Return of the Living Dead, waiting for this to happen. <laughs> and it never happens. But what I love about that movie is that it's also satire. Like, it's a zombie movie, but it's funny as hell. And, I mean, you get Linnea Quigley doing the striptease dance in the cemetery in the first 15 minutes of the movie. So already as a 10-year-old, you're like, holy shit, this movie's awesome. Um, and then you get like the tar man and then you get you know funny zombies that can talk and stuff uh i love that movie to death i you know i've owned it on vhs i've owned it on dvd and now i own it on blu-ray i love that movie um but when i told my dad like hey that helicopter scene that you're talking about that wasn't in this movie and so we went back to the video store the next day it was like like that was a friday and so then we went back on saturday and he asked the clerk, you know, what zombie movie is it where a zombie gets their head cut off by a helicopter? And so he told us, oh, Dawn of the Dead. So then I went home with Dawn of the Dead and watched that the next day. Awesome. So the same, in the same weekend, 10, years, 10 or 11 years old, on a Friday night, I got to watch Return of the Living Dead. And the very next night, I got to watch Dawn of the Dead, both for the first time. So it just kind of, you know, made me a zombie nut. And uh, those are like my two favorite horror films of all time. You know, I've been to the Monroeville Mall at least, I think, three times now. And I've gone on tours, you know, a paid tour. I've been in the employee-only section of the mall. You know, I've been in, like, the boiler room and stuff where uh, it, it looks and sounds exactly the same as it does in the movie. But those are my two favorite movies. I don't know if, like, the subgenre of zombies is my favorite subgenre. Um Probably slasher film is just because I love Friday the Thirteenth, like that franchise, so much, um, and you know Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. So I think that like Return of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead are my two favorite horror films. But 
my favorite subgenre is a slasher film. Just I I love them, and I love the shitty ones. I love the good ones. I love them all. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, I uh, I can't argue with you with the uh, Night of Living or uh, Return of Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead picks. Those are amazing movies. I like horror. I like comedy horror films like Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness. I just there's something about being able to laugh your ass off while there's also blood splattering all over the place that I just genuinely love. That's why Psychowave is a, Psychowave is a comedy, you know, and uh, you know it's him hacking people's limbs off with a banana. So that's exactly the kind of movie to expect. And you know it's because of trauma and because of like funny horror films like Return of the Living Dead, satire. Um, that that's that that's my taste. You know, that's what helped me, uh, you know, you know, uh, influence my taste in what I as films and what kind of films I want to make. Right on, man. Well, uh, I would love to keep talking, but I'm on a kind of a tight little schedule here. Um, is there anything that you'd like to to plug in like where we can find um true masterpiece or you know any more info on psycho ape like where we can if people want to pre-order a copy or anything like uh is there any more info as far as where we can we can go to find any of your material um well because psycho Ape's not done yet we don't really have anything set up for a pre-order um once it's done you know, and we're pressing discs and stuff, then maybe, but I don't know when that'll be. Um, you know, all the trailers are on YouTube, so, you know, you can, people can still look at those trailers and stuff. Um, True Masterpiece, episodes one and two are both on YouTube, as well as Troma Now, but DVDs are also available on eBay and Etsy, or, you know, you can shoot me a message on Facebook or something like, hey, you know, I'd like a copy or something. Um, because, you know, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm on all forms of social media. Uh, movies to watch on a rainy afternoon. Some episodes are on Troma now. The Troma film episodes are on Troma now. Like BC Butcher and Rabbit Grannies. And Troma's War, Star Worms 2, uh, Redneck Zombies, Slaughter Party. They're all on Troma now. And, uh, you know, there's 122 episodes of movies to watch on a rainy afternoon, all streaming for free on YouTube. Awesome, man. Well, again, this one say thank you so much for coming on here. It was a blast talking to you. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back on here at some point and, you know, maybe closer to Psycho Apes release and and uh, kind of help promote that and. Uh, Whatever else you got going on. Sweet. Sounds good to me, man. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Root Horror Podcast. Just want to say thanks again to Addison Binnick for coming on the show and talking about Psycho Ape and Troll Masterpiece Theater and his newer works, Roast Master Theater. So, uh, Man, a lot of a lot of good stuff in there. So thanks again, Addison, and uh, hope to have you back on here when we can talk more about Roastmaster Theater and uh, 
closer to Psycho Wave's release. Um, before we get off here, I just wanted to mention Midwest Monster Fest is coming back to East Moline at the Rust Belt September 5th and 6th. Um, there's going to be tons of cool stuff there. There's going to be more guest announcements than uh, what they have on their website. There's going to be a horror-themed cosplay contest with prizes, effects challenge with prizes, horror-themed pinup contests, and movies going both days. 70-plus booths and celebrities and vendors. So, Or I should say with celebrities and vendors. So tons of cool stuff. Um, if you're from the Quad Cities, this is a, a not-to-miss event. And if you're from out of state, um, I can say from past experience, this is definitely worth making the trip to go and attend. Lots of cool stuff, guys. And then I want to mention Wake Brewing. They're a brewing company in Rock Island, Illinois. They make some terrific craft beer right there at the brewery. And uh, I do want to mention they hand can one can at a time for you to take cans to go. And they're still open-ish. You can pre-order beer uh, through their Instagram and Facebook. Just send them a message and say you want to pre-order some cans to go. And you make your order there. And then on Saturdays from noon to 3 is the window to pick up your beer. So definitely check them out. They hooked me up with some Hex and Electric Dust uh, beer. And it was very good. So... Um, and I'm not just saying that just because I talk about them all the time. They, I wouldn't talk about them if they didn't make good beer. So <laughs> not trying to, uh, stir the pot or whatever, but no, like I really do enjoy the beer that they make. And, uh, I def, I definitely support them. The Root Horror podcast definitely supports them. So check them out. And, uh, Addison, thanks again, man. This was awesome. Uh, you're a cool dude we'll keep in touch and uh, yeah I just want to thank everybody for listening and uh, go check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Root Horror Podcast I'm always on there uh, throwing stuff in my stories and uh, always announcing new episodes out of nowhere and guest announcements coming up so uh, yeah guys just stay tuned Thanks for listening and later. Okay, I lied briefly. Uh, I, I fucked up the name. It's Roast Masterpiece Theater, not Roast Master Theater. So my bad. Didn't want to sound like an asshole and just and just leave that be. And I edited this to where it was going to be difficult for me to try to fix that so here's this little clip it's it's roast masterpiece theater and also check out some of uh addison's other works on youtube his youtube channel is jab products that's capital j capital a capital b products and uh you can see a couple of the true masterpiece theater uh movies and uh a bunch of his movies to watch on a rainy afternoon movie reviews so hopefully that'll keep you guys busy and uh 
again, sorry about that little mess up, but I, it was going to bother me if I didn't say anything. So on that note, later for reels. <laughs> you have been listening to the Rude Horror Podcast. If you like this content and would like to hear future episodes, please follow or subscribe if you dare.